spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Choose. It's episode 312 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and if you've been watching Vagrant Queen on Sci-Fi, you know exactly what I'm talking about with what Alita has been going through. So speaking of Alita, let's chat with Alita this week. Adrian Ray joins me to talk about what's been going on in season one of Vagrant Queen, which by the way is moving to Thursday nights at 11 o'clock Eastern Time on April the 23rd, so we'll talk about the first few episodes, what's been happening there, and a very interesting story that Adrian has about our boy Tim Rozon that you're definitely not going to want to miss. That that much I could tease for you right now. And speaking of which, there's actually a lot more nerd news than I would have expected this week, and actually some stuff that we could talk about that is coming up and that we'll be able to run to its conclusion. So not just nerd news, but some good news as well. And a great opportunity from a brand new sponsor for the show this week, Mint Mobile. A great deal coming for you on some wireless service. If you've been looking to save some money on your wireless service, got some great coverage options and a great deal for you coming up. I'll let you know what's going on with that a little bit later on. But let's start with comics, shall we? It's what we're reading digitally next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Greg Pak, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Trying to navigate what's new and what's new to you in this current predicament that we're in in comics. Basically, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. And IDW getting into the mix this week with a graphic novel for Marvel's Marvel Action Black Panther. It's called Rise Together, this particular volume written by Vita Ayala, Ariana Florian, and Mario Del Penenio on the art, Mattia Inacono and Sarah Martinelli on the colors there, and Tom Belong and Sean Lee on the letters. So, and a lot of this story has to do with, and again, do, trying to do this spoiler-free, I know the issues are, the single issues have already been out. Maybe you've already read this, but if you waited for the trade, I certainly don't want to spoil anything. So this, there's, this book has a lot to do with hubris in a certain way, or, or, or perception versus reality might be another way to put it. And what's funny about this is is that there's kind of like an undercover boss element to this as well when it comes to T'Challa, where he kind of gets to go undercover a little bit and see what it's like for the working men and women of Wakanda. And what he gets to see is something that he doesn't necessarily expect. So you just kind of sit up there and you, you just assume... Because Wakanda is this technologically advanced society and all of these things appear to be going right in Wakanda. That not might, that might not necessarily be the case if you're digging down deep and looking at things a little bit more closely. And then you have Shuri who's doing her thing. And you know how confident Shuri is in her abilities. And there, there's a little bit of her questioning a lot of things both in herself and in others and it kind of makes her kind of have to take a look at herself and what she's doing as well and and there's just a lot of very interesting truths 
that come to light in this issue. I mean, there's also some opposition there as well, and not not necessarily to 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 T'Challa, but to the to, to the government governing body of Wakanda in general. It's almost like you know, there's going to be in any government certain subsections that don't think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, regardless, right? And the you know this particular group just decided to take it to extremes a little bit, and that's where some of our action comes into play in this. And there is some action in this book. There's not a ton of action in here, but there's still plenty to, to keep you interested. But this is more about kind of like the story of Wakanda behind the scenes and exactly, you know, what's really going on. And it's and it's interesting because it is a little different a little bit of a, a younger angle on this, but it's a very interesting angle as well to take on the character. But one thing I love about this book as I was reading through, especially in the art, there was a lot of happiness and a lot of smiles. Sure, there were some serious situations in here as well, but you could feel the happiness just coming off of this entire book when things were going well, especially from T'Challa and from Shuri. And the I love the way that they interacted as well. I thought, I thought Vita did a very, very good job with that. And I like the way that this book rounded itself out in the in the final few pages there where you actually get like it was almost like an old school animated series where you get like the moral of the story was and you know you kind of round it out and, and take it full circle and you know give yourself a conclusion of what the the story kind of meant overall so i thought that, that was really really neat i think that this this is a definitely a good book for young adult audiences especially but if you're a black panther fan i don't think you'll be disappointed this isn't like a a hardcore adult version of Black Panther, but it's certainly, I, I mean, in a time where we might need a, a couple more smiles, I, this book is certainly full of them, especially art-wise. The colors pop really, really nicely as well. So I'd say go ahead and grab this volume of Marvel Action Black Panther from IDW called Rise Together. And seeing how there's not a whole lot more digital releases this week, and I didn't want to go too far in the back catalog. Well, well let's why not talk about the Bat- Batman The Adventures Continue Chapter 2 from DC Comics? Paul Dini and Alan Burnett writing this, of course. Ty Templeton on the art, Monica Kubina on the colors, Joshua Reed on the letters, and Dave Johnson with the digital covers. By the way, before I get into this, did you see Kevin Conroy reading the first issue? The, the video's up on social media. Right now on the DC social media pages, if you missed it, it's definitely worth a go back and, and listen to because he does all the different voices. You get to hear Kevin Conroy do, do the voice of Alfred, do the voices of Lex Luthor, of Bane, of, of Harvey Bullock, too. It's, it's really, really cool. So if you missed it, go back there and listen to it. Now, if you read the first chapter, you know what was kind of going on setting the stage. This giant robot kind of unleashed on Gotham City, and we come to find out that Lex Luthor had something to do with it. Shocking, right? Lex acts like he has nothing to do with it, and then he suddenly does. Now, the plot actually unfolds as to what Luthor is up to and exactly what he's got going on with this robot, and we get to see Bruce jump into detective mode once again a little bit in this issue. We get to see Alfred come up there and join in as well to try and figure out exactly what's going on, what Luthor's endgame is, and what's going on 
with this robot. And you get a very key piece of information early on in this issue that when you see it, remember it. You'll know what I'm talking about. At least I think you will. It will play a role later on in this issue. We get a surprise appearance towards the end of this issue as well. And, and that's just kind of how this issue plays out where Batman's trying to find out exactly what's going on with this robot and how he could stop it and how he could stop Luthor from doing what he's doing as well based on the information that we kind of get at the very beginning of this book. But then we get to see that the next chapter will be a little bit different with another familiar face that we saw very, very quickly in this first chapter. And I think in chapter three, we'll see a lot more of him as well. But it just seems like there's a lot of teasing going on here too of things that that are to come. But certainly a lot of action in this issue where it pertains to the robot, but a lot of detective work as well, which I really, really loved. And a surprise appearance or two certainly didn't hurt things at all but it just still feels so much like an episode of the animated series especially now that you have the second chapter and you can actually read both of them all the way through it just felt right it felt like something that absolutely 100% made sense to be doing so it's not this is certainly not a forced story to be told if that makes any sense like you're not bringing back a Batman the animated series story just to do it, just so you could say, oh, well, we brought back Batman the Animated Series. Isn't everybody so excited about that? No, these stories are fresh, they're new, they make sense, and I can't wait to keep reading this thing. If I had a digital pull box, this would definitely be in it. And don't forget, these are going to be coming out in print at some point as well. That's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Going to hop on the Infinity Train and review something from Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm Haley Mancini. And I'm Jake Goldman. And we are writers for the Powerpuff Girls. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Yeah. You've heard of club cars and dining cars. Well, how about universe cars? Well, that's what happens when you hop aboard the Infinity Train, which is a series on Cartoon Network from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. So I thought I'd give my review of book one right now because book one of Infinity Train is going to be coming out on DVD on Tuesday, April the 21st. I wanted to mention that Warner Brothers Home Entertainment did provide me with a free copy of this for review. Any thoughts expressed here are my own, as they always are. Of course, but I want to dip into, I want to keep this mostly spoiler free, but there's a couple things I definitely want to mention during this review that might be minor spoilers. So I want to give you a little bit of a warning on that. But basically this story follows a girl named Tulip and she's a young girl. We don't really get a sense of her age, but she is supposed to be going to a computer programming camp. So that might tell you, I would say probably about 13 ish is how old that she is, if I were to guess. And what ends up happening is she kind of goes off on her own. She has to find her own way there. And she ends up on this train called the Infinity Train. And every car has a different universe. Every time you go to a different car, there's a different universe. And there's other mysteries that are involved there as well. She picks up some companions along the way. One of them, this minor spoiler, is a corgi named Atticus that can talk. You know, talking animals, not too... Not too unusual in an, in an animated series. And one one who is a robot that has definitely different personalities, two different personalities. And 
I'll get into that here in just a second. But and again, I can't really go in too much into what's going on on the train without spoiling anything, and I, I certainly don't want to do that. But it's funny how each universe is something completely random, or at least it seems random at the time. You know, first, she thought she was kind of hallucinating and that she was just, this wasn't actually happening. Then she finds out that she wasn't hallucinating, that what she's on is actually the train. And then when you when she tries to get off the train, something really weird and Beetlejuice-ish happens. So you don't want to go off the train. You kind of learn that. And then don't really go back to that and, and say why that is. So that's another interesting little point of this and not maybe that's something that they'll get to a little bit later on but I just thought it was interesting that we don't really get to that at least in the early going in the series anyway but it, it, each universe was very surprising and it was one of those sometimes it was a how do you come up with this stuff and sometimes they're really quick we don't get to see every car in every universe like you just get to see them waving goodbye at one point to a particular sports team and I can't really give you more than that, but it's it's pretty funny. And I kind of went that that's the thing that sometimes the cars that they don't want really to spend a whole lot of time in. It's one of those things where I go, oh, why couldn't I have figured out what was going on in there that looked so funny and so cool and so different? But the journey itself is interesting, and and you get to see how Tulip is sort of dealing with this thing as as she goes along. You know, her focus changes so much as things go. But as a young girl who's trying to figure stuff out in general, never mind just on the train, it really makes sense. And some of the puzzles are very interesting and some of the stuff that she has to do to solve them, also very interesting. There's certain obstacles in her way, both, you know, actual obstacles and living and breathing ones as well. So it was just a very fun and interesting ride, for lack of a better term. And I will say this, this is a I would say, as far as age range is concerned for watching this, I would say probably 10 plus, maybe even a little bit older. As someone who is older, you will be able to appreciate certain aspects of this series because I feel like some of the content isn't like super adult, but it's certainly young adult in a way like, for example, this is one of the minor spoilers in here is that like one of one one's personalities talks about you know, writing someone's obituary because they think that they might die. That's kind of, you know, that's a little bit of an older range humor, dark humor right there. And then there was another, again, this is some minor spoiler as well, but Tulip's parents are, are, are divorcing or separating, and it's really hard to say, you know, based on the, especially the early part of this series, but how you see Tulip has to deal with that. She's dealing with that. In the moment, not only in the first couple of episodes, but throughout this entire endeavor. As a matter of fact, you get to see that play a big role in one of the episodes in this series. So that is a very, and the way it's depicted is very just, it's out there. It's, it's, it's pops right out there in your face. And it's, it's very adult the way it's dealt with, quite frankly. I mean, for lack of... Of, of a way to put it and it's kind of a very interesting way to do it as a matter of fact and I, I know I'm kind of dancing around here but I don't really want to spoil anything and it, you could just see how it affects her and and sometimes what's going on around it and this could only really be done 
in an animated series, just watching the surroundings. And paid, I pay really close attention to the mother and the father, too, because there's a very interesting part of that as well, that if you're really paying close attention to them, it's almost like you could see where she's placing blame in the divorce as well. So keep an eye on that as you're watching this. But as I was going through this, and first of all, Ashley Johnson, who's the voice of Tulip, does a fantastic job. You kind of get some, if you're a blind spot fan, you do kind of get some Patterson vibes in there from Tulip every now and then, which I think is really, really neat because I'm I'm a big blind spot fan, obviously. There's some other really familiar voices you're going to hear, though. And if you look up the IMDb page on this thing, it's insane. Like Ernie Hudson is in there. You got Ben Mendelsohn. You've also got Bradley Bradley Whitford. Lena Headley Hetty is in this. I mean, Matthew Reese, it's pretty crazy. Some of the names that you're going to see in this series. So if you haven't had a chance to watch Infinity Train yet, these two things are in no way related. But I remember this is kind of how I felt when I was younger and I watched Secret of the Nim for the first time when I was younger and I knew I was watching something that it was an animated series and it was certainly made for kids, young adults, but I knew I was watching something that was a little more serious, a little more adult, and it drew me in so much. And, and even as an adult, this show drew me in because I was interested in not only what you were going to see next in the next car, but what was going to be happening with Tulip. And is she going to get to where she needs to go? And is where she needs to go the actual place she intended on going when this series started? And is this whole thing about something else that she needs to focus on? So there's a lot of deep meaning here in this series, and this is something you could watch with your kids, whether they be younger or older, that I think you, they would certainly enjoy. And Tulip is one of those characters that you can either relate to or you want to follow, and that's that's partially because of how the show is written. It's also partially because of Ashley Johnson's infectious um, performance. It's just it's a it's a lot better. It's better than I even expected that it was going to be. So Infinity Train, book one on DVD Tuesday, April the 21st. Of course, also you can get it on digital HD as well. I definitely don't think you'll be disappointed. This week, the Down and Nerdy podcast is brought to you by Mint Mobile. And this is one of those times where you definitely want to save money. And you got to be looking at your wireless bill and you're thinking, what am I paying for? Really? I mean, the hidden fees and prices and all that stuff. Well, this is where Mint Mobile comes in because you can still get the premium network coverage that you're used to, but a fraction of the cost. When I say fraction of the cost, you can get your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. And that means unlimited nationwide talk and text. They have different plans too that you could sign up for. You've got 3, 8, and 12 gigabyte plans of 4G LTE data. You can even keep your same number in your same phone. You can actually use your phone and it'll get shipped right to your door. I will say that for me, I just started using Mint Mobile because I just got my little goodie box with my SIM card in there. And and I just today got a chance to set it up and the setup was so quick and easy. And that was one of the things I was worried about. I was like, how hard is this really going to be? They do a great job of step-by-step telling you exactly what you need to do. And they're there to help just in case you don't. So I can't wait. If that's that easy, I can't wait to dive into what's next. So if you want to get your wireless bill down 
Go to mintmobile.com slash nerdy. You want to cut that wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month? Maybe you just want to add a phone for your kids who are at home with you right now. If you've got another family member that just needs a phone and you want to help them out, 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash nerdy and you can do just that. And maybe you'll be surprised, just like I was, at just how easy it is to get that done with Mint Mobile. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review of Infinity Train Book 1 from Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Up next, there's a lot of juicy nerd news to talk about, and we'll do that. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Jessica Lucas from Gotham on Fox, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Sometimes the first look deserves another look. It's time for nerd news. And the reason I say that is that the Boom Studios... This made a big announcement this week, and that is that they are teaming with Netflix for a first look deal. Now, I know what you're thinking. Don't they already have a first look deal with 20th Century Fox? We know that because Disney's axed all kinds of things left and right from Boom Studios. Well, this is for television and not for movies. So that's one thing that we learned was that that deal did not include TV adaptation. So now Boom has taken their business to Netflix. As a matter of fact, it's not really a surprise because we saw, we've seen Boom do comic versions of like the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. They've got the Unsound coming to Netflix already anyway. It just seems like a good fit. And again, another expansion by Netflix of their comic book properties. They've already got some stuff from Dark Horse going on. I don't need to remind you of all the comic book properties that Netflix has. Their stock's at an all-time high right now. This is a good time for both sides, really, to make this deal, but for Boom Studios as well. I mean, I don't know if this saves Mouse Guard, guys. I would would hope that it might. I don't know that they can do that, though, because that was going to be a movie, and now you'd have to make it a series, and I know some stuff's already done. I don't know they'd be able to do that, so no specifics as far as that goes, but we know that Mouse Guard was one of the things that got kind of kind of got the axe in the whole Disney 20th Century Fox deal. But think about it. You could do stuff like Once in Future is something that you could that you could absolutely look at. I would think that Netflix, as far as newer stuff as well, would be all over Faithless. Anything from Jeff Lemire at this point, right, I think would be anything in that regard as far as from Boom Studios and and some of the Matt Kent projects that's going on, like Grass Kings would be something really cool I think that you could do on TV. Maybe I finally get my Joyride series that I feel like I've been waiting for forever from Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. But again, there's any number of projects, but here's something I didn't know until I read the press release that was sent out by Boom Studios, they're actually working with multiple providers for certain projects because they have close to 20 movies and TV shows currently in development. My brain's like, where? You know? It's like, how am I not remembering all of these things? I mean, we know that we've got The Empty Man coming, the big screen adaptation of the Empty Man, that is coming, and that will be one of the 20th Century Fox projects from Disney. That one's actually happening. But beyond that, there aren't any that I can think of off the top of my head 
that have been announced. And I mean, certainly, and now I feel like I need to go down this researching rabbit hole. But get this. This isn't just live action series. This is animated series as well. So then my brain starts to think, okay, so you've got Lumberjanes. Is this another opportunity to do something with Goldie Vance, which we thought we were going to get a movie version of, and it looks like we we might not be getting that now. There's just a load of possibilities here. I think, again, this is a deal that really, really benefits both sides, and it's a, a huge catalog, a lot bigger than you think, of things that Boom Studios has, not just their licensed properties, which of course aren't really part of this deal, but their original creator-owned content that they have. There's so much great stuff to choose from, and I can't wait to see what the two sides decide to adapt to series first. Because uh, So I'm really, really excited about this deal. Here's something that's a bit hot off the presses that I didn't expect to happen as I'm recording this, but apparently, remember that deal between J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot and Warner Media? Well, it has come to fruition in a big way, and as a matter of fact, Justice League Dark fans like myself going to be really, really excited because one of the three series that was announced coming to HBO Max was a Justice League Dark live action series. Now, no more information beyond that, just that the DC characters of the Justice League Dark Universe are going to be in this series. It's going to be revealed soon. We get the word soon, but we don't know exactly what that means. You got to think John Constantine is going to be a part of this, right? But then the big question has to be, will Matt Ryan reprise his role once again, as John Constantine, I don't see how you could pick anybody else at this point. I know that when they were going to do the movie, they were talking about Colin Farrell as John Constantine. And while I'm sure he'd do a good job, to me, Matt Ryan's just, he's cemented this at this point that he is John Constantine. But you got to figure you're going to get Zatanna, right? You're definitely going to get her. You're probably going to get Dead Man as well. And then after that, who knows? Are, are, are we going to have Orchid? Are we going to have the Phantom Stranger? You know, are we going to have Etrigan? Who, who are we going to have for the rest of these characters in this Justice League Dark Universe? I mean, you could also look at who was in the animated movies that have been in from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment and DC Animation. You could look at who was who was a part of that team. But I feel like at, at its core, right? You've got to have Constantine, you've got to have Zatanna, and you've got to have Dead Man, right? So those are my three must-haves. If the way they fill out the rest of the team, uh, I I will let I will just leave that in the capable hands of J.J. Abrams and company because I think that you know they kind of know what they're doing in this regard. I, I hey, I'm a J.J. Abrams fan. Okay, you know that from listening to this show. So I have every confidence that J.J. will do a great job with this. There's also going to be, just in case you're interested in the other series and you're wondering, hey, there were three, why didn't you mention the rest? There's actually going to be another show called Overlook, which is going to be based on The Shining, actually. So that, that'll be interesting to put, to put in that universe. And there's going to be another one called Duster. It's going to be set in 1970s Southwest, where basically there's a crime syndicate going on and just this wild, crazy, stupid, awful stuff happens. And Latoya Morgan's actually going to be a part of that as well. And Latoya Morgan, one of the writers on The Walking Dead now. So if you're a Walking Dead fan, 
then that might give you something to be a little bit excited about as well. But as if there weren't enough reasons to get HBO Max already, and this is just me thinking out loud, Justice League Dark alone is enough for me to want to do this. And now there's just a boatload of great stuff that looks like it's going to be coming to HBO Max. So I'm going to say it again. I know I've been using this word a lot this week. I'm excited about this Justice League Dark series, and I was already excited about J.J. Abrams being a part of things, but knowing that he's going to be doing this now, yeah, sign me up immediately. And I know that if you're a Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, you're excited for the final season to premiere, and now we finally know when that's going to be, and it will be Wednesday, May the 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, the team is being transported to the 1930s for their latest mission. Coulson, Coulson, spoiler alert, is back. I love the teaser that they had for it, where they're like, where he's like, uh, why is no one talking and why is everybody surprised that I'm just back? Well, if you watch the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you kind of know why they're surprised. And if you've been watching, you know. Here's another interesting development, though, that happened right after this was announced, and that is that a character from Marvel's Agent Carter will be coming back to the show. No, 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 not Peggy. It's going to be Enver Joka's Daniel Souza. Remember the guy that was in the the guy that was one of the detectives in Agent Carter. They kind of had a romantic entanglement, the two of them, for a little bit there. But remember that was in the fifties. This would be back in the thirties, so it'd be way before any of that even happened. But it's just interesting that they decided to bring him back for the final season. And again, no real details as far as how, what his involvement would be exactly what we do have a little bit of a synopsis that was released by ABC along with this as well. And that is that the, the, the Colson and the ages of shield are thrust backwards in time and stranded in 1931 New York with the all new Zephyr set to time jump at any moment. The team must hurry to find out exactly what happened. If they fail, it would mean disaster for the past present, and the future of the world. So again, trying to find another creative way to destroy the world, that is what they're doing on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It almost feels like a little bit of a DC's Legends of Tomorrow time component thrown in there. So it's very, very interesting. And I think this will be a cool way for the show to go out, doing something a little bit different. And I think that that's something the show's been trying to do anyway. And I think that's, that's very, very cool and... I, it seems like the show's hitting its stride almost, like really hitting its stride right as it's getting ready to go off the air, which, I mean, that can kind of happen sometimes with shows, right? But I'm actually really looking forward to this, not just because I know we're going to get a full season out of it, because they already finished. They, hey, filming those two, two seasons back-to-back turned out to really be the right call in this case, didn't it? So this is a show that we know we will get to its conclusion, and I actually think that this premiere date was moved up. I can't prove it, but I think it was moved up because of everything that's been delayed from the coronavirus pandemic. So hopefully we get an amazing final season of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And of course, full coverage for you right here on the Down and Nerdy podcast when that does happen. Here's something that kind of got lost in the shuffle of the news cycle this week, reported by comicbook.com, and that is that Mist. Yes, if you ever played Mist, it was a PC game back in the 90s and several sequels after that. But it is going to be adapted 
for TV by Village Roadshow. And one of the writers from X-Men First Class, Ashley Edward Miller, is going to be the showrunner and writer on the series. Now, the game's co-creators, Rand Miller and brother Ryan Miller, will be involved as well, along with Isaac Testerman and Yale Rice from Delph Media. They'll be a part of this, too. Now, if you're not familiar with Mist, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they're going to do this because the, the the actual character that you play is kind of an unnamed character. What this what was always intriguing to me about Mist was first of all there's a lot of puzzle work in this game and I'm talking about like in-depth puzzle work. Not there there really are no gimmies in the world of Mist, especially in the especially in the first game. This this is a game that will make you think and make you pay attention to the world around you because that is the that is the thing about mist is that you're just kind of dropped on an island and it's about the mysteries of where you are and it's about the world more than it is about heroes and villains good guys and bad guys and things like that it's the mystery of the world around you and the puzzles that you need to navigate to unlock the mysteries of where you are that is the basis of what Mist is. So Mist is a thinker, no question about it. How is that going to play off on TV? I mean, that is anyone's guess, and I, I'm sure that this will be heavily modified for television. I, I have no doubt about that. Are you going to have to have a hero and a villain component for people to be interested? I don't know because I how, we've seen so many times, and I've talked about this in so many reviews about how. Your setting, or you know, like something like like a building, or an object, can be a main character in your series. And why can't an island be a character, right? It certainly worked on Lost. The island was a major part of that story. Now, certainly there are more components than that in Lost. You certainly had your heroes, you had your villains, you had the whole story of the plane as well. There, were, there was a lot going on there, but the island was just as much of a character and a part of the story as anything. So I don't understand why Mist couldn't do something very, very similar, the same thing. And there's not a whole lot of talking in the Mist games either, at least not in, in at least not the early games. Anyway, I'm super interested to see how this is going to play out, but as a fan of, of Mist of the early games, yeah, it's something I'm definitely going to be watching. I definitely can't wait to see where this goes. So, of course, no premiere dates or network or anything attached to this yet. I'll keep you posted once we have updates on that. Finally, speaking of something that we know that's coming, it's a brand new adult animated series from Hulu. It's going to be called Solar Opposites. They just released a trailer this week. The show's going to be coming to Hulu on May 8th. It's from one of the co-creators, of Rick and Morty, it's Justin Roiland and Mike McMahon, actually, who worked on the show, will be a part of it as well. Basically, what Solar Opposites does is it's it's a team of four aliens. Their, their home world was exploding, so they end up crashing into Earth, and they end up in suburban America. Now, we see in the trailer how some of them feel about that. We have Corvo, who's played by, voiced by Justin Roiland, who isn't quite thrilled about Earth or anything like that. And then you've got Terry, who's voiced by Thomas Middletich and very much into what's going on on the Earth. You know, where when it comes to, we see buckets of KFC there, we, we see sodas and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, really trying to adapt 
to the Earth life. And one of my favorite parts in the entire trailer is when a couple of the aliens get a bully from their from their school, and one of the characters comes in and says, "What are you doing?" Why are you dissecting your classmate? And, and they say, oh, well, she was mean to us at school. And they're pouring a soda on her exposed brain. And it's just it's just really funky and weird and, and crazy. They, they start building their own creatures to be their friends because they don't feel like they fit in with Earth people. It's, it's just it looks like it's going to be one of those very similar to Rick and Morty where it's crazy, just off the wall, over the top at times, fun. And you've got, I mean, you're going to have voices like Alan Tudyk will be involved, Rain Wilson, Alfred Molina, Echo Kellum from Arrow will be involved in this. Well, there's a lo- just a laundry list of names that are going to be guest voices on the show. Even Tiffany Haddish is going to be in the mix as well. It just looks like one of those one of these shows that's going to be something very, very different from Hulu. They haven't, they haven't done a whole lot in the way of animation. And animation, by the way, one of the things that's able to keep going during this pandemic. A lot of animated series and movies are able to be worked on during this while everything is shut down, production shut down and everything. So, I mean, hey, it's if there's no other reason to support Solar Opposites in this, in this animated series, it's that. Support these animated series. Plus, I mean, again, I said this earlier in the show, if you can find something funny, something to make you laugh right now, it's absolutely worth it. So I'm at least going to be giving Solar Opposites a shot and see if I can get a laugh or two out of it myself. That's going to do it for Nerd News up next. Going to be hopping on the board with Vagrant Queen herself. That's right, Adrian Ray joins us to talk about Sci-Fi's new series next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Tim Rozon from Winona Earth on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. You thought Fridays were fun. Wait, you say what they're going to be able to do on Thursday nights. At 11 o'clock Eastern Time. That's when you can watch Sci-Fi's Vagrant Queen now. So speaking of the Queen or the Scavenger, whichever you prefer, let's talk to a leader herself right now. It's Adrian Ray. Adrian, what's up? How you doing? I am good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Now listen, one thing that's really obvious since I've been watching the show is you guys look like you're having the time of your lives out there. So just how much fun <laughs> was it filming this first season? I literally had the most fun I think I've ever had had on any set. It was so much fun. I mean, between the stunts, between, you know, just working with the cast and the crew and everyone being funny in their own way and all the jokes. Like, I I laugh all the time when I'm on set with them. And even, like, in our panels now, I just get reminded when we all interact together how much we laugh, how much we joke, and how fun it is. Now, let's backtrack just a little bit for to when you first actually got the role. What was your first impression of Alita, and how much did your opinion change as the season cr- progressed? Well, my first impression was she was this like uh, badass, hard ass who kind of didn't really give two freaks about anybody. But um, as it progressed, you know, I read the, read more of the scripts and you know got into the character more. I was like, oh, she cares a lot, a, a whole lot actually. She just doesn't put on that she cares that much, and she's gotten really good at her coping mechanisms and defense, you know, mechanisms and hiding her countenance. So uh, I learned a lot about her in the midst of that. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like I need to go full stop right here because I'm not sure that that I'm going to ask a more important question than I'm asking right now. Before we go any further, I have to ask, are you really that bad at karaoke? Are you just playing? (laughs) Uh, I actually was in talks with 
Bad Boy Music. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's Nathan, Diddy, and Epic Records, and Sony Records. So I do like to sing, and some people like to hear me. So it was kind of hard to do uh, singing badly. It was it was a little hard, but it was fun. Not <laughs> so hard. Not so hard for Tim. Tape. Not so hard for Tim, but for you, I could see I, how that would be difficult. I think it's. I think Tim can sing though. <laughs> I honestly love his voice, and he plays like the guitar, the ukulele. Like I, I like his voice. I kid with him because he's a friend of the show, so he knows that I'm I'm doing it all in good fun. <laughs> Now, now, Adrian, from the beginning, it seemed like Alita has kind of been torn between the life she's kind of built for herself and her life as queen, even though she's kind of put that on the back burner. I say that she's torn because we got to see in the last episode, in episode three, that influence might to kind of, you know, might starting to be taking effect a little bit. So how much do you think her mother could influence her should they actually get her back in this first season? I think her mom could influence her greatly. Like, you know, Alita's not, she's found her own one, but she hasn't had to use it yet with these people from her past. You know, there's this there's this thing that you do with yourself when you have something to say to someone and you make this whole speech in your head, but then you get in front of them and you're like, oh, okay, we can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you kind of don't know if it's going to go that way or she's really going to stand her ground and stick to her script, stick to her speech that she had. And I just know that in the midst of episodes three and four, you know, when we're looking for my mother and trying to get my mother... It's a lot of, do I do I want to do it? If mom wants to do it, maybe I'll do it. Do I really not want to do it? I really don't want to do it. But it, for the greater good, it's a lot of back and forth that you see and an internal struggle with her that you'll see. Now, it seems like a May is kind of the glue that's really held this group together, especially, you know, in episodes oh, two sure. and three, but especially between Alita and Isaac. So where do you think you guys would be without her right now? I think we would, we would end up being free somewhere because we're clever, but we would not be a team. A, a lot of the things that we accomplished wouldn't have been accomplished, but we would have just made it by by the skin of our teeth <laughs> just because we're going to shoot our way out. And, you know, Isaac's clever and he can, you know, think of something on the spot, but it would not, it, we would not be, you know, actually a team at all without a May. She's the heart. She's the glue. She's our moral compass. Definitely. Talking to Adrian Ray, of course, of Sci-Fi's Vagrant Queen, which you can watch on Sci-Fi and Adrian, speaking of a May, anyone with eyes can see that there's an obvious chemistry <laughs> between her and Alita. We also saw in this past week's episode, though, that a May, you know, might have strayed a little bit, had some eyes for somebody else. So, do you think that Alita's kind of waited too long to make her move? I think Alita, yeah, she needs to say something. Like, I think that when they're engaging, a May's open and she's just like, "Yeah, if you just say it, I'm here." And Alita's like, "I'm gonna say it." So um, I, I do. I think that she she's she needs to go on and say it, but I don't know if she will because of all the layers and things that she has going on with her. But there's definitely chemistry there. She definitely gets lost in her eyes whenever they speak. And I would say that the key moments when you see Alita and a May interacting, mm-hmm. look at um, Alita when a May is not looking at her. I know exactly. It's like, come yeah. on, it's right there. What are you doing? <laughs> And, and she, like, in the fire pit scene, you kind of see, you know, for the first time, Alita's, like, kind of, she felt jealousy. And I thought she's that never was felt it, that in her life. I thought that was the moment right there. I'm like, okay, finally, it's this yeah. finally going to happen. We're good. And then she gets up and walks away. I'm like, no, what are you doing? Well, no. Yeah. She's like, oh, time for bed. <laughs> I mean, that was the perfect was moment. So you got the fire, you got the, the moonlight, the atmosphere, or however many moons are up there. It seemed like exactly. that was the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> did, however many moons up there. <laughs> yes, it felt like the perfect time. And it's like both of them are in the same book, but they're never on the same page for some reason. Well, she needs to start Emotionally. reading ahead. Is what needs to happen. <laughs> she got to start reading ahead a little bit. I we got we to make this happen. <laughs> I agree. I now, took it. Now, we were talking about Tim Rosan a little bit earlier on. Of course, he's been a friend of the show for a while. I know how great he is. So take us behind the scenes now. What are some of the fun moments that you all had when the cameras weren't rolling that you can actually share with us right now? Well, there's a fun story about Tim slicing his fingers like a madman by accident <laughs> that we recently shared. He took a good chunk of his index finger, took oh, that out. Um, <laughs> but no one knew because he he literally is such a pro, man. He kept going. We heard this weird sound. You always can tell, like, when a stunt person, if you kick them the wrong way and they actually get hurt, it changes from a huh to a uh. mm-hmm. So he made a, he made a second sound. And uh, I was like, okay. But he kept going. So I was like, oh, he was just making the sound. Okay. It's me and Isaac. And then he finishes the scene, and then the scene's over, and he's like, yeah, uh, he walks up to the gym. Might need a medic. Blood dripping off the bottom of his hands. And we're like, what just happened? No one even knew. See, um, see, now I'm going to ask him how his finger is and if it's still attached now. <laughs> ask him. Ask him how that index finger is doing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. But, yeah, it was. we had so many fun times. We were, like, in the makeup trailer singing Cher and doing impersonations of Cher. We had times where um, Alex literally, this, this made me almost pee my pants. We're in the scene, and they needed us to move backwards and get out of the way of the spotters and the camera guy for them to get the shot. And I did a, I did a, like a backwards tuck and roll. And Alex, the first time she didn't, and then she seen me do it. And then the next take, she goes to try to do the tuck and roll, but she kicks people in behind oh. her, which completely messed <laughs> up the whole thing of trying to go out stealth. So it was hilarious. Oh, it's just a awesome. lot of moments like that. Then there's the moment where we had to work with this big cockroach, and Jim didn't know I was afraid of bugs. So she's just like flirting with this That's cockroach around and talking then. about yeah. it. <laughs> I know. But she's like, Alita's not scared of cockroaches. So she's just like talking. And I'm like, but Adrian is freaking out right now. <laughs> it's just this whole interaction where she didn't know that I was afraid of it. And she's steady talking to me about touching this bug. And people were getting video of it, and my face is priceless. That's amazing. Now, switching gears a little <laughs> bit, if it's possible, I think I dislike Lazaro more and more with each passing moment, and I'm not sure that, that I can get more dislike for this dude. So how much are you looking forward to the chance to have Alita just punch him right in the face at some point? Oh, and, I, and you guys are going to love it when I do. Oh, <laughs> yes, I know it. I just, I just like... Um, he gets his antics get more more and more unhinged. And that's what I love about what Paul has done with this character. Paul is a phenomenal actor. And he literally pulls you in. The character's so interesting. And within the character, you know, Lazaro completely feels like he's the sane one. Everyone else is crazy. And he just becomes more and more unhinged as I get away from him time and time again or you know, slip right through his fingers. It drives him freaking crazy. So, yeah, you guys are really going to hate him by the end of the season. <laughs> I already hate him for what he did to Nim anyway. So, I exactly that out there exactly. right now. And then now, now what he's doing started to you guys is worse. Hate. Exactly. Yeah, it started off with a, a really deep hate. 
Ugh, it's crazy. Now, something else we actually saw in this past week's episode, episode three, of course, I'm talking about, was that Alita's loyal subjects in the present time here, you know, might not be as loyal as you think they are, maybe loyal to their own plans more than they are to her to get her mother back. So with Alita's trust issues, and of course, Isaac might have heard a little bit of that, how do you think she's going to react if she finds out what's really going on and what their motives really are? If she finds out what the loyalists are really going on, the loyalists overall, she would be pissed and, you know, just like, get away from me or I'll kill you all. But certain people in the loyalist crew, that would affect her in, in on a more emotional level. Mm-hmm. I know exactly who you're talking about, too. Exactly who you're talking <laughs> about. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen, but if it does, yeah, look out. Okay. Yeah. She, her mom. Her mom was right. Trust no one. That's right. That's right. Now, Adrian, before I let you go, we're less than halfway into the first season right now. We've already seen some, I mean, really crazy stuff. The karaoke thing with the giant bunny. I never saw that coming in a million years. These weird, like, Dawn of the Dead type creatures that are going after Isaac and Amaya. It's been, it's been pretty nuts. So, without spoiling anything, <laughs> what can you tease for us that you can't wait for fans to see in an upcoming episode? Because I can't imagine how much crazier it can actually get. I, well, my three top favorite episodes are four, eight, and ten. So we haven't even gotten so, there yet. And, yes. Okay, <laughs> that, that's it's good up to know. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, in four, I'm really excited for you guys to see, you know, some different aspects of the characters that you guys have seen already. And eight is the Clue episode. So it's so freaking funny. Yes. And it's so, it's so great. So, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to see that. And then 10 is the finale. Well, we're looking forward to that. And hey, don't miss any of these episodes on Sci-Fi. Yeah. You're, you're quarantined anyway. You're in your house. Make sure you're watching Vagrant <laughs> Queen on Sci-Fi. And then you go back and watch it again. Sci-Fi.com. Too, by the way, the full episode's up there as well. And you can see everything that she's got going on. It's Adrian Ray, a leader herself. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. I got to say, very few shows have grown on me as the episodes progressed like Vagrant Queen has. The first episode was very much setting the stage, and then after that, it was just this crazy, fun, you don't know what's around the next corner, thrill ride of, of and these characters and where they're going and what's happening around them, and then you've got the story about her trying to find her mom and these loyalists that don't seem very loyal and are like attacking her and try to forcibly have her come along and be their queen, and then you've got... Uh, L- L- Lazaro, who's doing his thing as well on the Republic. It's there's so much crazy stuff going on, and then it's just so much fun. And these all these different personalities that are around this show. It's one of the reasons that I've so grown to love Vagrant Queen, which you can now watch every Thursday night at eleven o'clock Eastern Time on Sci-Fi. You know, if it maybe hey, even if that's too late for you to stay up, make sure you set your DVRs. Watching it again on Sci-Fi.com. This is a show you're not going to want to miss. Vagrant Queen is a like the space western fun. It's there's so many different ways to describe it, but sometimes you just have to see it to believe it and that's one of the reasons that I love Vagrant Queen. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. Again, thanks to Adrian Ray for joining me this week. You want more on Vagrant Queen? Go to downandnerdypodcast.com for other coverage I have up there as well. Also, Follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram and at Down and Nerdy 
on Facebook. Make sure you're supporting our sponsor this week as well, Mint Mobile. Go to mintmobile.com slash nerdy. You want to get your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month? You can do that with Mint Mobile. We're going to help you out with that. And there's just one more thing I want you to remember. You never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.